Morning, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? Special presence of the Lord in this house. Please lean into him. Maybe this is an expression of worship that may be a little over the top for some of you, depending on what your background is. Just understand how much God loves you. This is an environment where the Bible is king and Jesus reigns, and we want you so much to embrace him and enjoy him and be blessed by him and then live out the life that he has for you. We're so glad you're here today. So let's get into message time. Got a quick question for you. There's only 118 shopping days left before Christmas. How many have already started shopping? I'm just kind of, God bless that hand. I see no hands, no hands. How many of you had planned to start by now? You just haven't got around to it. Anybody? Yes, I see a couple hands there. It's plan to do this every year. We're going to start early next year, right? How many wait till Christmas Eve to buy your Christmas gifts? Come on. My dad was that guy. He would go out on, the family would, mom would cook Christmas Eve dinner. Dad would go shopping, come back with mom's gift because once he bought it, he could not give it to her. And so he'd wait till Christmas Eve and he would give it to her then. How many of you are still working on last year's Christmas Eve gift list? Come on. Why is procrastination such a common issue? I mean, it is. I read just the other day, after extensive research, ha ha, uh, there are eight stages in a procrastinator's journey. You tell me if you relate to any of these. Stage one is, I'm going to start early next time. Stage two is, I've got to get started soon. Stage three is guilt. I should have started by now. Stage four is panic. Is there still time to get it done? Stage five is confusion. What is wrong with me? Why do I keep doing this? Stage guilt is, I've blown it again. Stage seven is anger. Just do it and get it over with. Stage eight is, next time I'm going to start earlier. And the cycle repeats. Anybody relating at all this morning? The rest of you, God bless you. Thanks for coming. You've already been to church. You can go on to brunch if you want to. But I think the reality is that this poem relates to more of us than we even want to admit. And that is procrastination is my sin. It only brings me sorrow. I know that I should give it up. In fact, I will tomorrow. (laughs) The Bible actually says a lot about procrastination, but probably the best known verse on that passage is James chapter four, verse 17. Anyone who knows the right thing to do but does not do it, what? Is sinning. For those of you that are new, we're in a series we're calling Breaking Free and, and we're talking about this, this collection of, of information that, that a fourth century monk discovered when he studied human behavior and he came out of that study saying that there are, uh, there are seven sins that everybody struggles with one or more of. Uh, Interestingly enough, he made that discovery in the fourth century, but he didn't come up with a new idea because God already knew it. He inspired Paul (coughs) to hit it, even in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Read that one uh, with me, okay? Here we go. It's on the screens. It's messed up on my notes. Here we go. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Here we go. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so what we're doing every week through this series is we're looking at one of the seven deadly sins. You want to rehearse them, remind ourselves of what they are. Uh, They are, in fact, pride. Come on, say it with me if you remember them. Gluttony, greed, laziness, Wrath, that's anger out of control, 
envy and lust. Today, we're talking about laziness. And let's just be honest, guys. Most of you that are here in the room or watching online, you've got a good work ethic. I mean, we're not a bunch of lazy people. We wouldn't be where we are doing what we do if we were a bunch of lazy people. So for most of us, laziness tends to show up in procrastination more than anywhere else. And, and each week as we've kind of walked through these sins, we've tried to look at, okay, why does that happen? And how do we avoid it? Focusing primarily on what do we do uh, about it. And in case you're sitting there thinking right now, why in the world are we investing an entire Sunday morning on, on procrastination? Well, the answer is that in some ways, this is the worst of all. Because in this case, we know what we should do. We just aren't doing it. So it's critically important that we understand the value of this, the cause of this, the cost of this, because quite frankly, some of us get so good at it, we become pros at it. Don't look at them. Don't throw any elbows. This is a no elbow zone, but that's what we do. A friend of mine, Wayne Cochran, if you're watching online, Wayne, love you, brother, uh, lives in Virginia. He came to me one day and said, Pastor Jim, I want you to preach my funeral, uh, but I just need to give you a heads up that I'm going to give a letter to the funeral director. And when you step up to start the funeral, he's going to hand it to you, and I want you to read it to the crowd. And the letter's going to go something like this. Thank you all so much for coming. I'm honored that you take time to be here. I'm running a little late today, but I'll be along in a minute. And then they're going to roll my casket into the service. <laughs> so you challenge some people on procrastination, and they say, well, that's just the way I am. And the reality is that there are causes for it, there are costs to it, and there are cures for it. So what I want to do in the few minutes we've got this morning is I want to just very quickly, I want to, almost like bullet points, I want to give you the, the causes of it, see if you relate. Then I want to tell you the cost as a, as, a, as a way to motivate you to do something about it when you recognize it in your own life. But then I want us to focus on the way out that God provides, the cures to this thing called procrastination. So let's get into it. The, the Bible says that most procrastination is caused by one of three things. There may be some others that you can think of, but there are three primary ones listed in Scripture. And the first one is indecision. James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. Anyone who doubts is like a wave in the sea, blown up and down by the wind. Such doubters are thinking two different things at the same time, and they cannot decide about anything they do. They should not think they will receive anything from the Lord, indecision is what he's talking about. He's talking about letting doubt slip in so that you can't make a decision. Simply put, have you ever been in that situation where you had two opportunities, there was risk in both, and you went back and forth and back and forth until you lost both opportunities? We've probably all been there, done that. The second is what I simply call imperfect conditions, Ecclesiastes 11.4. Those who wait for perfect weather will never plant seeds. Those who look at every cloud will never harvest crops. Somebody paraphrased that verse by saying perfectionism produces procrastination. Easy for you to say, let's try it. Perfectionism produces procrastination. Speed it up. Perfectionism produces procrastination. Say it five times fast. No, don't. No, don't. The third one is simply laziness. Uh, Proverbs 13, 4, the lazy will not get what they want, but those who work hard will. Anybody agree with me that we live in a generation or a nation of couch potatoes? Somebody said the parable of the church is the Super Bowl. 22 million people watching, 22 men desperately in need of rest down on the field. 
Bottom line is, you guys are not bothered by that. You don't fall into that trap at all. I know you're not lazy people, but if you decide to get in shape, how many of you are going to go online and search the 10 hardest ways to get in shape? We want easy. We want it as easy as it can be. Make it soft. Make it easy. That's what we want. But whether you're procrastinating because of indecision, because of imperfect conditions, or just simple laziness, you need to know the cost. I told you I want to rush through these because I want to get to the cures here, but, but you need to know the cost. And again, I readily see three. First cause, a cost is that problems, your problems get bigger. The more you procrastinate, the bigger your problems get. Proverbs 15, 19, a lazy person's life is like a patch of thorns, but an honest person's life is like a smooth highway. You get the word picture there? Simply illustrated, if you've got a leaking pipe under your kitchen sink and you put off fixing it, put off fixing it, will it eventually fix itself or will your kitchen cabinets rot? Which one is going to happen? Procrastination turns problems into crises. The second one is missed opportunities. You, you miss opportunities. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4. I like the way the message paraphrases this verse. A farmer too lazy to plant in the spring has nothing to harvest in the fall. That's pretty simple and straightforward, isn't it? So let's just all be honest. We, we've all got shoulda, coulda, wouldas. We've all got regrets. Coulda, shoulda, maybe, woulda, but I didn't. The third one I want to spend just a second on because it's so important, and that's your relationships get messed up. Yeah, your problems get bigger, your opportunities get missed, but your relationships ultimately get messed up. And there's lots of reasons for that. But the bottom line is that laziness prevents us from being loving people. You know what it means to be loving, right? I mean, Paul laid it out for us very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7. Let's read it together. Just want to hear yourself reading it. Read out loud. Here we go. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Question, do those things take effort? Do they just come naturally to you and that's just kind of how you live and love? They take effort, don't they? Does it take effort in a marriage to be a loving marriage partner? Sure, Pastor Andy will tell you he's worked with married couples in crisis in time past and maybe even currently where the only real problem in the marriage is they're lazy. They both know what to do. They're just not willing to do it. Does it affect parenting? Sure it does. The reality is that it's easier to, to just let it go than it is to train and discipline and prepare a child for the day that they're out on their own. Fact is, this is true in any relationship, whether we're talking about siblings or extended family or friendships or fellow church members, whatever it is. When we get lazy in our relationships, our relationships get messed up. Lasting relationships don't last because of some Hollywood romantic idea that everything's always warm and fuzzy. Kim and I've been married almost 46 years, and there have been a lot of wonderful, warm, loving uh, experiences. She's sitting right here. She will attest to that. We won't see how many years she's had and how many I've had, but uh, nevertheless, th there have also been years when we just looked at each other and said, I love you, which means I'm committed to you, which means we're going to get through this somehow. Simply. It's not always warm and fuzzy. Sometimes it's just simply, I'm not going to put off doing what I ought to be 
doing. So let's get into it. What's the cure? I see five things in scripture that becomes the cure to procrastination and, and, I, and it kind of walks in a litany. So let me walk you through it. But, but I want to make today really, really practical. So if you get your phone out and get ready to take some notes, you can go to the Bridge NC app and pull up the very notes I'm using. You can save them to your journal and take notes or you can just get the notepad in your phone or maybe you got a piece of paper. No one will accuse you of texting in church if you do this. I want you to get real practical today. You can email me this week at info at bridgechurch.cc and I'll send you these notes, but I want to get real practical today and make an application, okay? Five things that are the cure for procrastination that we've already established messes up our opportunities, messes up our lives in so many kinds of ways. Number one, cure number one, is you gotta stop making excuses. You gotta, you know, other people have excuses, we have reasons, right? So you gotta stop uh, giving reasons why you can't start now. Somebody said a reason is just an excuse in the skin of a lie, that's all it is. And so I love Solomon's words. Get the word picture. This is hilarious, but it's, it's so poignant. Proverbs twenty two thirteen. The lazy person says, what does it say? Well, come on, get into it. Let's go. There's a lion outside. I might get killed out in the street. One paraphrase says, I can't go to work because there's a lion outside and there's, I might get killed on the way to work. And so, but you get the picture. There's a crazy stuff we come up with to make an excuse for why we can't start now or why it's not our fault. It's amazing the lame excuses that we come across. In fact, I ran across this just this past week when I was kind of preparing, researching to share with you this morning that I thought were, were fun, but they illustrate what I'm trying to say to you. So perhaps you've seen them. These are some of the excuses that people have actually written on an insurance claim form to the insurance company following an accident. Okay, you tell me if you've ever done this. Okay. This one said, I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. <laughs> this one said, the other car ran into me without giving me any sign of his intentions. I like this one. To avoid hitting the bumper of the car in front, I struck a pedestrian. His priorities might be a little different than ours, but okay, I get it, right? I didn't think the speed limit applied after midnight. (laughs) Here's one, windshield broken, cause unknown, probably voodoo. I'd love to be an insurance adjuster reading these things. Here's a good one. No one was to blame for the accident, but it would never have happened if the other driver had been alert. Not his fault, but my absolute favorite, though, there's others, but we'll move on. My absolute favorite is I knew my God, my dog was possessive about the car, but I would not have asked her to drive if I thought there was any risk. I know some of you love your dogs, but please don't let them drive when the rest of us are on the road, okay? It's amazing the excuses we come up with as to why Uh, We can't do what we know we ought to be doing, what God has told us to do, what we see needs to be done. The number one excuse that I hear from Christians is, okay, I will when things settle down. You heard that one? When things settle down. Can I let you in on a little secret? Things are never going to settle down. But you don't understand, Pastor, you know, know, when, when my kids start school, 
I, you know, things will settle down a little bit. Or when my kids finish school, things will settle down a little bit. When my, when my kids move out, I think things will settle down. When I retire, no, they won't. There's chaos in every season of life. Can I get an amen in the room? So if you want to stop paying the price for procrastination, you got to stop making excuses. Got it? Got it? Do I need to unpack that one some more? We got it? Okay, let's move on then. The second thing you do is develop a plan of action. And this is where it gets really practical. And I want to get practical with you, okay? Develop an action plan. Proverbs 13, 16. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And even brag about their foolishness. It's cliche, but it's true. If you fail to plan, you... How's it go? You plan to fail. So if you really want to break free from, from laziness, from procrastination, you've got to do the work of determining your priorities, determining God's priorities. If you don't do this, current pressures will be glad to set those priorities for you. You have to decide what are the priorities, and then you've got to start setting aside specific time slots and resources to do something about those tasks. Simply put, if you want sparkle back in your marriage, date your mate. If you need to finish a project, create a step-by-step to-do list and write it down somewhere. If you want to write a book, then decide what the topic's going to be, create a schedule, and write a few minutes each day. Eventually, you'll find yourself accomplishing that. But if you don't get that intentional about it, you will find these important things crowded out every time. I may have shared this with you before, but several years ago when when I felt the Lord prompting me to get my doctorate in leadership, I contacted Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary and and I applied for their doctoral program in leadership. And and, uh, and I got accepted. I got accepted into the program. And, and during the time of applying and getting accepted, I, I convinced myself I didn't really have time to do it. I was so busy. Life was going on. Lots of things were happening. I just couldn't figure out how to do it. And so I set it aside and until four years later, I get a handwritten note from, from an admin person at the school saying, I was clearing out some files today and I ran across your file and it says that you were accepted into the program but it doesn't show where you actually attended the program. Are you still interested? And it flashed through my mind as I read that note that if I had started four years ago, that would be a letter saying, congratulations, you're done. Instead of, uh, you blew it, are you still interested? I picked up the phone and called and said, yeah, what do I got to do to get started? Now, you would think I would learn from that experience, right? Four years ago, I I started a book called Seasons, Navigating the Seasons of Life. did a sermon series that that became the basis for that book four years ago this fall. And and I set it aside. I got through four chapters and set it aside. And I can't tell you the number of times I found myself going going through those stages of procrastination. Man, I got to do something. I go, okay, I'll just set aside a few minutes a day. But I don't put it on my calendar. I don't get intentional about it. And here I am four years later, I still got four chapters in the can. So what I'm saying is that we're all susceptible to us, to this stuff, unless we develop a plan of action based on the priorities we believe God's called us to focus on and then develop an action plan. Here's how the apostle Paul said it, Ephesians 5, 15, 16, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. 
making the most of every opportunity. Pastor Jim, paraphrase simply, I am living carelessly and unwisely anytime I'm just going through the flow. Anytime I'm just coasting through the life, I'm, through life, I'm living unwisely and, and carelessly because at the end of the day, you can only coast in one direction. That's down hill. So let's get real practical. I told you to get your phone out, get your notepad out, whatever it is, but, but three categories. Can we put them up on the screens? Three categories that I want you to give a little bit of thought to just in this moment. Personal life, family life, career life. There are probably other categories for you, but under personal life, I want you to think a little bit about your own personal spiritual growth, your Christian growth. I want you to think about physical health. I want you to think about things for your personal life that would, would help you to fulfill God's plan for your life and to find the fulfilling life that Jesus promised. In your family, maybe it's your marriage, or maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your extended family, maybe it's your church family, but think about an area that uh, that you know something's got to be done. You've been putting off doing anything about it. Maybe in your career. You know if you, if you finished that education, you'd advance in your career. Maybe if you applied yourself, you'd get that promotion. Maybe whatever it is. Maybe it's a job search and start a different career because you know this is not what you were made for. Whatever it is, but, but some area of your career. I'm just trying to prompt your thinking this morning to get real practical about this so that you live wisely, not carelessly. The only way you do that is you determine the priorities and then you make a plan. In fact, I'll tell you now, you will be amazed how much you accomplish with the time you already have if you'll take this simple step. But you gotta stop making excuses and you gotta develop an action plan. I had a seminary professor tell me one time that he memorized uh, much of the New Testament by simply reading scripture and memorizing every time he came to a red light. Had a lot of horns blowing at him along the way, but he learned a lot of scripture because that's, he said, that's wasted time. I can fit something important in. So stop making excuses, develop a plan. When you do, I need to warn you though, you're still not gonna get moving until you do number three. And number three is you gotta face your fears. You gotta face your fears. In case you're thinking, hold it, that sounds good, Jim, but, but that's easier said than done. I know. What you need to know is that the, the root of avoidance for most cases is fear. I mean, we, we avoid starting a degree program, not because we don't have time for it or we can't fit it in, but it's because we think we'll fail. We don't think we're up to it. We avoid going to the doctor because we're afraid of what the doctor's gonna say. We, we avoid having a hard conversation with our spouse because we don't know how he or she will respond. We're, we're just afraid. And so that fear blocks us from doing the things that need to be done. And the reality is you never get moving in any of those areas until you identify your fear and deal with it. It may surprise you, but the reality is that the top two fears or kind of sound like the opposite end of the spectrum, but they're not. Fear number one is failure, and fear number two is success. Awful lot of people are, don't get started because they're afraid they're going to fail if they try. I don't have what it takes, and then I have to face people and tell them, you know, that I tried and failed, and I don't want to look like a failure. For others, it's success. How in the world do I maintain? If I succeed, how do I maintain that level? How do I keep from falling off the pedestal? You need to know that fear is part of the human condition. Fear is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign that you're a human being. Got it? Got some got it's over here. Did you guys get it? 
Who was it that said, courage is not the absence of fear, it's moving ahead in spite of your fears? It's been attested to a lot of people, but it's still absolutely true. And the only way to deal with your fear is to face it with faith. A little poem I saw on a wall many, many years ago is fear knocked at the door, faith answered the door, no one was there. So when fear rises up, Remind yourself, as the psalmist did in Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and the one who saves me. So why should I fear? Who? Anyone. The Lord protects my life. So why should I be afraid? So believers don't have to worry about fear, do we? You you guys don't let fear affect you at all, right? So how, how many of you are putting off going to the dentist? How many putting off that needed surgery? The doctor said you really need, but you're putting it off. How, how many you know, are putting off sharing your faith at work because you don't know how they're going to respond? The reality is we're all susceptible to fear, which creates procrastination. Do I need to remind you the cost of procrastination? It's huge. So if you find yourself dealing with this, you may want to go back to that well-known passage in Philippians 4, 13, I like the New King James Version of it. It says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I actually like the paraphrase uh, of the Jerusalem Bible. I realize that's the Catholic Bible, and some of you uh, haven't read that one, but, but I like the paraphrase of the Jerusalem Bible because here's what it says. There is nothing I cannot master with the help of Christ who gives me strength. So go back to the three projects we just talked about, the three categories of projects we just talked about, and start thinking of yourself through this lens. I can master my appetites. I can be the master of these debts. I can be a master get moving kind of person, not because I can, but because Jesus can, and he's promised to take me through the journey if I'll put him first in my life. I just have to put my faith in him instead of in me, because when I put my faith in me, then all those shortfalls are there. When I put my faith in him, there are no shortfalls. So hear me, guys. Whatever rut you may be in right now, um, Jesus wants you free. He wants you free. He doesn't want you worrying. He doesn't want you bound by fear. He doesn't want you stuck. He doesn't want you knowing that, that there's something you ought to be doing, but you can't get started at it. He wants you Free. So stop making excuses, develop a plan of action, and then face those fears in faith, which leads us to the fourth part of this journey, and that is you've got to focus on the gain, not the pain, because the reality is that pain is a part of life. Hello? Pain is a part of life. This is not heaven. This is earth. We aren't there yet. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. That's reality. Pain is a part of life. And so you work through that pain by focusing on the reward on the other side. The reality is you can have have a huge impact on what kind of pain you experience and the result of that pain. Look at Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if what? If we do not give up. Now, here's the, here's the wrong question to ask, 
but we often do when we find ourselves procrastinating. So lean in. I want you to get this. I'm going to teach you a little something that some of you are already familiar with, some of you perhaps are not. The wrong question to ask when you're stuck here is, what do I feel like doing? Hello? The right question is, what is God telling me to do? That's the question. In fact, the mark of maturity as a believer is you're living by truth, not by feelings. Because feelings can deceive you. You can get a feeling from a bad pizza. I mean, feelings are not a reliable source of information in your life. And so here's what I often remind myself of, and maybe it'll be helpful to you, is that there are three approaches to moving forward, or two approaches to moving forward in life. Approach number one that perhaps is the most common is you feel, check how you feel. How do I feel? What do I feel like doing? What do I feel like is going to happen? And then I act on those feelings. And then later on, I think about what happened or didn't happen or what I wish happened or, or why, how did I get here? Because you started with feelings. The other way is to take those same three elements and reverse the order of them and think about the truth, think about the right thing, think about what God is saying, think about what God is calling you to do, think about the power of God, then act on truth and then let the feelings come. You see the difference between those two things? You see, feelings are not wrong. Feelings in themselves are fine. Feeling is a part of the, the human experience. I'm just saying let the feelings be the caboose of your train instead of the engine of your train. You let the feelings come because you thought truth, you acted on truth, and the result is you saw the truth. So let me break it down real simple for you. No one said, did I mention that no one said life is free from pain, but you have influence on what kind of pain and the result you get. Life without Jesus Christ, you're on your own. You become a victim of your feelings and of your circumstances, and the pain of that is you spend your whole life paying the prices that we've already talked about, picking up the pieces of opportunities and relationships picking up the pieces of your life, right life with Christ, think, act, feel. You're never alone. You're guided by the truth that stands the test of time. It doesn't change and waver with every cultural change that happens around us. Yes, the truth can hurt. Anybody say amen? Sometimes having to look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves, the truth can hurt. That can be painful, but it promises and delivers life. When you operate in the truth, you find life in all its fullness. So here we go. We're going to stop making excuses. Say it with me. Stop making excuses. Okay? We're going to develop an action plan. Say it with me. We're going to develop an action plan. Then we're going to face our fears. Come on, face our fears. And then we're going to focus on the gain, not the pain. Focus on the gain, not the pain, which leads us to the fifth dynamic in this journey is start today. Not Tomorrow, not next month, not next year, today. Proverbs 27, 1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. One of these days is none of these days. Someday is now. So let me give you three words. I'm going to wrap this up, but let me give you three words that will change your life. You ready? Get ready to write it down. Seal it in your memory. Three words that'll change your life. Do it now. <laughs> Got it? Don't lose that. 
In fact, every time I find myself saying, well, I'll do that later, I try to catch myself and say, wait a minute, am I willing to pay the cost of procrastination? Because if that's what I'm doing, the price is way too high. So review the list. Again, I wanted this to be real practical today. Review the list, personal life, family life, career life. Choose one, just pick one and start today. NASA says that the hardest part of any space flight, the part that takes the most energy and the most fuel is, anybody know? It's the launch. So you only got a little bit of time. Get started. Let me bring this home. So what's piling up in your life? I mean, what changed? I didn't come here to guilt trip you. I I did come here to challenge you. What change do you need to make? Because you know life will be better, stronger, relationships will be healthier, opportunities won't be missed. You'll stop paying the price. What's piling up in your life? And I'm not talking about laundry. I'm talking about life. In your Christian walk, in your walk with the Lord, what's, what's your next step? God's calling you to do. Maybe for some of you, you've committed your lives to Christ, but you've never made a public profession of that through water baptism. We've got a baptismal service coming up the end of September. It's a month away. It's time. Get on the website, get on your connect card right now, today, start today. Check a box, write a note. I'm ready to be water baptized. For some of you, Pastor Andy mentioned it this morning, for some of you, you've been attending here for some time and you see God at work here and your life is blessed, but you haven't taken the step to say, I want to be a co-owner. I want to settle here. I want to commit here. I want to be an owner in the house. Class is coming up in a couple of weeks. Check your box, write a note in your connect card, do something, let us know. Maybe uh, you've been consuming, but it's time to produce. Join a serve team. Maybe it's coming into a service and seeing a lot of friendly faces, but knowing that the relationships that form on Sunday morning are somewhat superficial. I thought I'd get an amen out of that. I mean, there's only so much depth you can get in a relationship three minutes before the service and high five during the service and three minutes after. I mean, there's only so much depth you can get. And so for you, it's join a bridge group. Registration start 1st of September for the fall semester, October, November, December. Sign up, plan to get into it. Go study the catalog. It'll be up in just a couple of days before the week is out and get started. Or just check a box on your Connect card and we'll get in touch with you. Take the next step. Be intentional. Be wise. I wasn't with you last week because I was over at the Mount Olive location of our church, uh, ordaining two members of their staff to the ministries to which God has called them at the bridge Mount Olive. What an incredible honor, but here's two men and their wives that have stepped up in front of everybody and said, we believe God's called us to this ministry and we want to publicly state that it's the call of God in our lives and we're going to answer to God for how we lived out that call. What is it that God is telling you to do and what do you got to do to get started? God's saying, I want to help. I'll give you the strength. But you got to stop making excuses. You got to develop the action plan. You got to face your fears. You got to focus on the gain, not the pain. And at the end of the day, you got to start today. 
maybe, maybe your next step is just to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you haven't taken that step to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and give me a fresh start in life. Maybe that's your step. There are people in this room right now praying that you will take that step today because we know the rest of your life will be the best of your life if you do. Can we pray? Father, we know procrastination is a very real human malady. We've all dealt with it, perhaps dealing with it right now. But we don't want to be careless people. We don't want to be unwise people, and we certainly don't want to pay the price of procrastination. So would you help us to take the cure, to step up right now, make commitments today that change the trajectory of our lives? Keep your heads bowed. I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with me, okay? Very specifically. We're going to walk back through those five things, and I want you to pray them to God. Don't, don't tell me. Don't tell the older workers. You can do that, and they'll agree with you in prayer. But right now, in this moment, I want you to tell God, God, I'm done making excuses. Lord, show me priorities, and I will set them, and I will create an action plan. When fear arises, Lord, I will face it in faith because I know that you can help me to overcome anything that I face in life. Help me to see the vision, the gain, the result, instead of focusing on the pain that I'm going through in the moment. And I will start today. Father, you know who's praying, you know exactly what's going on in their lives, I pray simply that you'd speak to them in the quietness of this moment and help them to understand how much you love them and how much you have in mind for their lives. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said,